Welcome. My name is Nick Sedna Johnson, and I am here with my co-host Neil Smalley and Patrick Lowther. I'm glad to be here with you today. Glad to be here. It's nice to be here. So I was uh, looking into what <laughs> what challenges are coming up. We've got the Sands Holiday Challenge and uh, KringleCon coming up. Are either of you participating in that this year? I hadn't planned on it personally, but then again, I am trying to finish up some school stuff here before the end of the year. Nice. Yeah, I'll probably be hopping in the Sands uh, Holiday Challenge. That's usually a pretty solid fun time. Mm-hmm. Plus the music that goes with it. Can't beat it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. True. Yep. And uh, so in our Discord, we have, uh, we're working through the TriHackMe Advent of Cyber 3. So we're offering anyone that joins us in our Discord to get a shiny special security chipmunk sticker. It's shiny and holographic. So we'll be offering support and encouragement and we'll be working together uh, to get those challenges solved. Um, and another thing that we're doing is the Security Chipmunk Secret Santa Exchange. So this is the first year we're doing it. And we've got a suggested limit of $50 um, and we're getting some hackers joining in, you know, security experts and uh, it'll be a fun thing to do. So uh, we encourage you to join our Discord and join in our Secret Santa Exchange and having some fun and sharing that holiday joy this season. Indeed. We should do a cookie exchange, too. Ooh. I like cookies. Yeah, me too. Are they uh, real cookies or web cookies? Why not both? (laughs) That would be pretty good. You have to... Authenticate with the cookie to the website to get the cookies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's actually kind of a good little like uh, idea for like a holiday uh, challenge, you know. Uh, <laughs> sitting here thinking about it, just saying. Um, kind of like with the uh, hack the box challenge, you know, we'll put together like a little contest, and whoever gets into the website can put in whatever they want their you know, dead drop located, and uh, we'll dead drop them some cookies. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah, that sounds fun. Yep. Well, speaking of the Secret Santa and Holiday Gifts Exchange, we were putting together a list of uh, some things that the uh, hacker in your life might be interested in, like hacker gift ideas. So what were some of the things that you wanted, Neil? Oh, so personally, I don't think you can uh, go without a good fanny pack as a hacker. Like having somewhere to put all your floppy disks is an essential part of any uh, accoutrement. And so uh, they they call them lumbar packs, but they're really fanny packs. Um, So Mountain Smith makes some really good lumbar slash fanny packs. Um, so these aren't like your, you know, small jogging ones. These will actually fit like, uh, like an 11 inch Chromebook or something like that. Typically you'd have to check, double check the, uh, proportions on the, uh, pack you're ordering, of course, but, um, 
yeah, they can usually carry some small items like a tablet or something like that. So it can be quite handy to have something to handle all those cables or whatever you might need to uh, be storing in there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so I know that like people in the industry, cybersecurity professionals, they love clothing. So two websites where you could get uh, clothing from are zerodateclothing.com and uh, hack.xxx. Uh, I just did a secret Santa exchange, uh, a hacker secret Santa, and I got a cult of the dead cow blanket that was from the hack.xxx website. Um, very nice. It was a very soft blanket. Very cool. Blankets are great. I'm always a big fan of like really comfortable socks. Nice. All right. Yeah, being comfy. It's important. It is. Either that or, um, you know, work at home attire. So pajama yes. pants and uh, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Uh-huh. I personally um, last year had uh, received a hooded bathrobe, and that was pretty life-changing. It's like the work-from-home equivalent of the hacker hoodie, I think. Yeah, yeah nice. Very cool. Um, so I kind of have a, a maker spirit. So uh, one thing that I like, uh, and I've subscribed to these boxes before, it's called hacker boxes. And so you get like a box of electronics and you'll get like three or four projects in it. You can solder it together. And sometimes there's like Arduinos and you have to code it. And yeah, so some cool things in there. Sometimes they'll have badges. Sometimes they'll have nifty tools that are handy. <laughs> Neil looks so surprised. Yeah, that that's because I think I accidentally muted Patrick by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> or you know, since the old uh, cat like uh, hackers love caffeine uh, oh, type yeah. of thing. You know, there's mm-hmm. always quite a few. Uh, caffeine lover so like uh uh really good what do they call them now it's not the yeti but like the or something similar to that like a contigo or like a yeti or whatever yeah or like tumblers that's what they are tumblers, tumblers yep mm-hmm. yeah those are always really nice to have i like the big ones so i can like just fill it up and uh drink <laughs> yes yes <laughs> yeah Keep that caffeine going. Mm -hmm. For sure. So another thing that uh, people that are security conscious might like is um, YubiKeys. Those are great. Um, That's something that you have for like authentication, logging in. Yep. My personal favorite, I have, I actually just ordered one the other week and so sitting here on my desk is the yubikey 5 nfc version that way i don't have to struggle with finding an adapter for my phone or even getting the more expensive um usbc type one mm-hmm. the, the nfc one is not only cheaper it lets me use it with my phone so nice it's pretty handy that way now yeah. since it's uh nfc um have you tried playing around with it like where like you could actually steal that 
NFC signal? Um, not really, but then again, I'm not too worried about that just because of how close I've had to get it. Um, I'm sure you could probably boost the signal um, if you really tried, but it just hasn't been a particular issue for me. I mean, if I was really worried about it, I'd get like something like you know, the silent, I think it's like silent pocket or something that makes actual lockers that you can put like your phone in and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Don't they make like a uh, mesh uh, pocket as well? Like a bag that has like woven copper mesh in it that basically forms a Faraday cage around it. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the idea. It's uh, basically a Faraday bag for your phone. Um, and there are ones that I, I'm, my understanding is like they actually make decent ones because I know there's lots of brands out there that um, don't make ones that actually work that well. And the Silent Pocket is one that I've actually heard of that is supposed to actually do proper Faraday bags. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's a Faraday bag, right? So if you boost the signal, it's not necessarily going to protect you, right? Um, so it really depends on what you're trying to accomplish. But for most use cases, it should be fine. Yeah. The only reason why I brought that up was because one of my gadgets that I've been trying to drop hints on is the Flipper Zero. Like the little dolphin Tamagotchi thing uh, that's oh. come out. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so it's a uh, wireless flipper and you can sit there and grab NFC um, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, whole bunch of like different stuff with it. It's a pretty nifty um, little device. So, absolutely. The only yeah. caveat I would put on that is that, as a, one of the Kickstarter backers, I've been getting their, you know, production logs and whatnot. So they've really been hit hard with the um, supply chain shortages. And so even now they're still in production of like their first run or whatever, like the very first few runs. Um, So as backers, we're still way beyond even getting that um, initial few batches. I guess, I guess not, not like initial run because like they had like different stages of runs that they're doing. I think I'm probably in like the third stage. I think they were doing like five different run versions or something anyway i don't have like the technical <laughs> breakdown but but yeah they were like way on just like even getting like the lcd screen specifically for their the circuit board for it they were waiting on that for a while so i think they finally just got those in um so yeah it could be a bit before you actually get it um but it does look pretty darn cool so as we're getting into the holiday season we should probably be uh, making sure we're talking to kids about online safety again. That should be an ongoing conversation and sometimes uh, you think you've talked with them well enough and you've drilled it into their head plenty enough times but find out that maybe they haven't. So I recently found out that uh, my kids opened up their Minecraft server and their Discord server to people from the internet. So we had to have a conversation about that and uh, make some changes so that they aren't talking to some random people that they don't know. So I know some people talk about like how they monitor everything and they just like have everything locked 
down? Like, how do you feel about like, in terms of like parenting? Like, are you, are you going to like have all your, your kids devices just locked down and everything's filtered and like all these web proxies and stuff or how, like, how do you have that conversation or like, how do you approach that? Well, I, I have a level of trust with my kids and right now that trust has been broken a bit. And so we're working on reestablishing that trust. I don't want to lock down their internet access completely. They have websites that they're allowed to visit and, um, they're not allowed to put like their real name out online. We have certain rules that are meant to protect them from people finding out like who they are online and stuff. But I want them to also learn how to use the internet. So if they, I, I don't want them to like share personal identifiable information and um, stuff, but they also like they use the internet for school. They use it to communicate with their friends. Like we've moved out of state, so now they don't really use Facebook. So all of their communications with their friends is like through their their phones or their um, their games. So it's I'm also like evaluating their their mental health because they. Because of the pandemic, they haven't been able to make friends where we live now. Yeah. So they're all, like, all of their friends are online. So I don't want to just cut that out of their life, you know, because that would be really hard. So it, it's a balance. And I, it was a difficult event for us with, you know, that breach of trust that we had. And uh, we'll work through it and. I'm now, you know, taking a lot more charge of their online communications, but, and that, so that adds like an additional burden to me, but yeah. yeah. So what about you guys? What do you think, Patrick? <laughs> How do you deal with your kids being online? So, um, you know, it depends. Um, so my, my oldest, he's 18 and you know what? It's he can pretty much do whatever he wants uh, within reason, you know? Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm not going to say there's not training wheels on my own home network or guardrails or anything like that. Um, internally, you know, I run basically DNS guard and stuff like that. And what that will do is knock down just a whole bunch of not only is it ads and all that, good garbage you can also set up certain uh, resolver groups for you know devices and things like that with that and so you can actually filter the kids traffic based on that depending on the kid and how old they are and what my wife and i deem is appropriate for them they may not be able to get to certain websites or anything like that things like youtube or anything like that they all have basically sock accounts um, mm-hmm. that we can use and as parents, uh, my wife and I, we can go in and set like what content should be available to them on the account. So uh, it's better than just saying no YouTube or saying here's all of YouTube, you know. Mm-hmm. So that way you can actually use within like YouTube Kids like those accounts, 
and you can track and use basically like the content filtering within uh, Google provides to get you that stuff. Also with that, you can then have a spare burner account um, if you ever need it. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that's typically what we do with our kid. They, they have access to the internet, but like their devices are um, like all enrolled in like screen time and everything like that. So we control those, what they can and can't do on the devices via that. They have general content filtering, all that good stuff. So, um, and then when they get mouthy or lippy, you know, uh, dad plays around with the old ubiquity gear and uh, uh, basically <laughs> applying rate limiting and stuff like that. So they end up getting like a 56K connection on the Wi-Fi. So <laughs> welcome yeah. back in my day, kids. <laughs> <laughs> this was nice. <laughs> yeah. RuneScape. <laughs> yeah. Now imagine okay, your hour's up. That. I just logged in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Be, uh-oh, somebody's calling. You got, just got disconnected. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, back in those days. So that, I mean, that's typically how I approach it. I mean, I, I have trust with the kids, but I'm also going to guard realm and like, they won't see like the full internet until... You know, they, they get teenagers and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. I like their school devices and all that. <laughs> I, I don't trust their school devices at all. So yeah. they are they are pretty much uh, client isolation mode. And they can get on a... Uh, with Ubiquity, you can run multiple uh, SSIDs. Um, so they have their own SSID on that. Uh, that tosses them in their own little VLAN. Their VLAN can't talk to any of my devices or anything like that. Um, and I keep them away from my stuff because my lab environment uh, will be doing things that they don't need to be in. <laughs> to. Okay. Um, and I don't trust the school district to keep their stuff up to date or anything like that. So, yeah, all that fun stuff. Yeah. So is that, um, I think you said something about AdGuard. Is that AdGuard.com or Uh, DNS Guard? DNS Guard. Yeah. Yeah. So DNS Guard or uh, if you wanted to do like a, uh, Cisco used to have it. Was it OpenDNS? Yeah. OpenDNS is very similar to it. What else can you do? If you're looking for like open source solutions, uh, things like PyHole, PyHole DNS, it's or PyHole, it's basically a Raspberry Pi distribution that runs DNS and uh, DCP on it, and basically you set your devices to pull DCP from that, and it will DNS black hole things for you. I think there's. Cool. On PFSense, you can do DNS block as well. Yeah, there's a whole slew of technology that you can roll out for that. But um, my home network stack, like the non-lab side of the house, um, is Ubiquity Gear um, running like the access points and all that fun stuff. So uh, typically leverage a lot of that. Oh, speaking of Ubiquity, did you hear about the hullabaloo over there? yeah (laughs) that's actually funny um the insider threat you know everybody says oh there's no 
you know, we trust our people. Eh, well, insider threat right there. Yep. Did you get? Did you see how he got caught? Um, wasn't it like his five dollar VPN had an IP leak? Yes, a five dollar VPN. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's just hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, a lot of VPNs are just pay to slow your traffic down, and that's like pretty much the benefit of it. Well, aside from being able to access Netflix from other countries, that's pretty much like your basic use case at the end of the day. Yeah. A lot of those. Unless you're like rolling your own, and then even then, that's can be problematic. But it, to me, it's interesting. Like, I, I mean, this is where I'm going to start sounding old again. But like back in the earlier days of uh, internet relay chat, um, one of the popular things to do was to scan for what's called win gates, and win gates were basically computers running software that you can openly connect to uh, like an open one gate and basically use it as a proxy. And so you'd start scanning, like when somebody would join a channel, you could kick off a port scan uh, on like a net block and look for open one gates. And as you gather more and more, uh, you could use that to feed into like your small botnet or anything like that, that you may have, um, and then, uh, like all the bots that are connecting would then have a layer of protection. So when they would try to get like DDoSed offline or anything like that, they'd be attacking the wind gate. And so the bot could come back on with just by pulling another, uh, proxy and connecting through that. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> uh, those were the days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah, since, you know, we were kind of talking about, um, like, internet safety and stuff around the holidays and all that, make sure as, like, parents or as security-minded folks, um, you run updates on your new devices and your new toys and everything like that. You know, make sure, yeah, right? (laughs) Right. Because you get a brand new, like, um, laptop and all of a sudden you don't have anything installed on there or... Anything like that, you start browsing the internet, you know, and all of a sudden you got yourself a fun-filled uh, malware machine. <laughs> yep. So do you do, like, uh, scripts or do you have, like, playbooks or anything that you uh, prep your new hardware with when you get it? Typically what I'll do is I'll connect it to the internet only after I've installed like a bare minimum of uh, like tooling available for it. So things like I'm going to put on my web browsers of choice first, um, use like offline update from for Windows, uh, toss Windows on like that. Uh, everything that can fit on like a USB key type of thing. So you, you know, go from a known good host to here's my other stuff that I can deploy up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, gotcha. Well, that's good advice. All right. Or if we want to toss in a plug for Microsoft here, what you could do is 
run a home lab with like say five E5 licensing in it <clears throat> and then toss those new devices uh, into an Intune. <laughs> and so when you sign into it with uh, a new device with like your small domain cred credentials, um, Intune will detect that, oh, hey, you know, you're credentialed and you have access to like the E5 licensing. So that means you can have access to Windows 10 Enterprise or Windows 11 Enterprise. And then uh, you can have it kick off a deployment of your baseline software that way. <laughs> yeah. It's all about that zero touch. <laughs> yep. Yep, that's for sure. Speaking of tooling and tools, there are some interesting tools that people put out this month or even websites. So the first one I was looking at was is called cvetrends.com. And so basically someone took the some Twitter APIs and combined it with data from NIST's NVD. Um, and so that's their vulnerability data feeds. And then they also combined it with the GitHub APIs. So it's now in kind of like a tweet deck like um, columned view there of 10 most recent ones or something like that. And so then it breaks it down by the description and severity. And then it gives you all the recent tweets relating to it. So it's pretty cool in that regards. Yeah, I saw the, the tweet deck looking one. It's nice. And then the other thing wasn't necessarily strictly security related, but um, if you use Python at all and you're familiar with the Pandas library, there's something now called pandastutor.com, which will help you visualize how to use the Pandas library. Um, so Pandas helps you work with... Uh, basically databases and so that's a uh, way you can actually look at what connects to what else and it's a very convenient way to visualize stuff that would normally be pretty confusing otherwise yeah actually yeah. if we wanted to tie that back to security common thing to do in jupyter playbooks is have python and so if you're doing like a browser-based type of Python, that would help you visualize some of your results and your data within uh, those Jupyter playbooks. Right. So in Jupyter, typically it'll only show the, like it says on the website, it'll only show the input data and the final result. Um, so this helps you break down what's actually going on uh, behind the scenes, it says, as it were. So what the code is actually doing that's very kind of step-by-step -step. so i think anything that's very step-by-step -step can be helpful when you're just trying to learn it or even if you're just trying to debug a problem that's complex all right i want to remind our listeners to join us on our discord you can uh, find the link to join at securitychipmonks.com and uh, we are participating in the try hack me event cyber three as well as we have the Security Chipmunk Secret Santa gift exchange happening. So join us so you can uh, come have fun with us and connect with your fellow uh, cybersecurity-minded friends. 